0: Before we get into uh, the reason I get to talk to both of you today, I always like to start these interviews off with kind of a wellness check. 2020 has been a rough year for a lot of folks, so just simply, how are you both doing?
1: I'm joking. Oh, um, good. <laughs> that was <nasty laughs> man. That, that damn. Can you print those calls?
2: We sure like, can. Oh, huh? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I
1: mean, I'm good, man. I'm healthy. I think Brian, you're healthy too, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, and I just had a COVID test a couple of minutes
2: ago. I always have one right before I do an interview, uh, and it came back negative, so yeah, still still here.
0: Good to hear, yeah. It's been interesting to talk to folks in the animation industry because with uh, a lot of production kind of shut down for most of the year, you know, going on six months of this now, animation's kind of been surging, so have you guys seen any kind of interruptions in your your daily kind of workflow or grind
2: or anything like that? Um, No, it's been been actually really... uh, it's been kind of a great time to be in animation um you know luckily uh you know sugar and toys came back um and we started the writing process of this uh a couple of months before uh, covid hit mm-hmm. and a couple of other projects that we uh, had in the hopper were already sort of going um so really uh happy to say that you know we both worked through the through the entire thing um so from that respect it's been it's been great and there's tons of really good tools that have emerged recently um, that have really helped kind of maintain a production uh, pipeline from from the outside, um, which has kind of also helped uh, you know help us kind of keep things on track. Definitely, yeah. and
1: yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, it's funny because a lot of a lot of um, people that work in animation, um, I've learned are, are like really like introverts. Anyway, and, and, and I, and I, being somebody that suffers some like social anxiety, that yeah, my lifestyle hasn't really changed a whole lot. As a matter of fact, things, things have actually been a lot easier for me to maneuver. Cause mm-hmm. like, I, you know, Brian would tell you, you know, I hate coming out the house for anything. So this has been kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, unfortunately really dope for me, you know. Yeah, this, yeah he's been he's, the world's caught up with Carl he's been
2: uh he's been trying to, he's always argued that his his bed is the best uh, writing room he could have and you know we always have to tell him but yeah you know you got to come out of bed but you know finally you know it took the apocalypse so he's been proven right
0: <laughs> yeah I gotta say I side with Carl on this one as a as a gamer as an animation fan and a writer pretty much introvert so yeah nothing's changed much for me and I'm enjoying it actually it's been pretty good so I'm with Carl on this one <laughs> uh, before we jump into uh, Sugar and Toys, which is why I get to talk to you both today, I wanted to travel back in time just a little bit, you know, very different times, 10, 15 years ago, to shows like Boondocks, Black Dynamite, and some of the other ones that you've worked on that have really, you know, made a big, a big uh, stamp. How did your experience working on those shows prepare you to now create your own?
1: Well, I think, I think, I think Boondocks for us was um, a pretty difficult show to pull off number one, right, just because we were doing these really big stories with lots of characters, lots of backgrounds, you know, the stories went all over the place, you know, so there was, it was it a quite a, I mean, it was quite a um, big production, you know, and we were, I always like to say we were doing like 22 minute movies, Mm -hmm. so when you think about like, well for me anyway, like my first um, entry point into animation was like working on the boondocks and taking on such a huge task, um, it kind of prepared us for any show, honestly. After that, like, you know, because I mean, we're, we're talking about like, you know, whereas like Family Guy may have like, you know, two hundred to three hundred scenes or something like that. We we were like around seven hundred. Wow. You know, we would have sometimes two hundred characters and BG. So, um, and and you, you know, it's it's also uh, it was also I guess a show that that was. Testing new waters, like like we were we were doing this like black, you know, animated series that had a real specific voice and you know and it was and it was very um I, I mean I guess I guess it was disruptive and a little a little um controversial and I and I feel like you know just learning how learning how to you know tell stories and 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 you know invoke thought and also you know. Do satire and, and social commentary all combined. um it, it definitely, you know, lent itself to Sugar and Toys. Like, you know, we, we found the right balance of like, you know, cartoon and anime aesthetic or animation and, you know, social commentary and, 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 um and character driven stuff, you know? So it was, I think, I think we, we, I don't know, we, we kind of dipped our toe in a lot of different areas and we, we pick and choose some of those Things that we've learned over the years and, and, and tried to adopt them into this process as well. Yeah. And I, and I think all the, pro- one of the, you know, things that a lot of the projects
2: that we have worked on have in common is just like how, um, you know, cultural they are. I mean, I think that, you know, really kind of, I don't know, just getting to real specific spaces, both in terms of just representing people and points in time and like points of view, um, you know, whereas it's like we had come up, you know, as like Simpsons writers at a Harvard or something, you know, uh, where like a lot of like adult animation people really come at things from like joke, 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 joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that coming out of places like Boondocks and then, you know, you know, you know, kind of spreading our wings on Black Dynamite and some of the other projects. Um, you know, there was always kind of an undertow of like, you know, Samantha Carl has always said, you know, is as wild and as outrageous as we go at humor. There'll always be a point where we go, like, what are we trying to say here? You know, like, you, you know, you, you know, you, what, you know, what is, like, what is this about? Like, what is, you know, what's the substance of it? And so I think that that just, even when we do really silly shit, um, it always kind of has a, a, uh, a level of substance to it that, like, maybe, uh, some other shows, you know, aren't quite as focused on. Gotcha.
0: And speaking of that kind of cultural touchstones and uh, social commentary, there is a a new version, a reboot, a continuation coming out in twenty twenty. Are either of you uh, involved with the the new version on HBO Max by any chance? No, no. Okay, fair enough. Had to ask. <laughs> but now I get to I get to leave that awkward question behind for you guys, and we get to talk sugar and toys, which you actually created. So walk me through this i'm gonna start with carl where did the idea for the original series come from walk me through kind of the genesis of that
1: well it, it actually started with a conversation that i had with um rob sorcher over, over at uh when he was over at cartoon network mm-hmm. um we, we were actually uh, flying back together from a an adult swim function and and we were having this conversation about saturday morning cartoons and I just asked him like, you know, well, what, what, what you, what happened to Saturday morning, Saturday morning cartoons? Like, mm-hmm. how is it that they just kind of like went away, you know, like so quickly or whatever. And he was, he basically said, well, you know, we couldn't sell sugar in toys anymore. So there's no, there was no reason for them. <laughs> And I was just like, wow, like, 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 you know, I was telling Brian, like, like we, we had a whole childhood because they wanted to basically put sugar, put sugar in our bodies and give us like, like lead-infested toys, yeah. Man. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you
2: know,
1: and it was just—it was well, just something I don't well, know. It's not metaphorical, right? It, it, it was just something I guess you know, somewhat metaphorical also. Like you know, just kind of felt like you know, to it's a, it's a this is this is, is an example of like you know, adults not having kids' best best interests at heart yeah. or putting money over the minds of the youth. So like <laughs> we thought, you know, well, what if we did like this. Crazy insane show that was, you know, that spoke to that. Like, like where we made fun of all of these TV shows and, and a lot of the stuff that we grew up on combined with, you know, a lot of current topics and, and, and different things that we wanted to speak on in terms of like, you know, politics, you know, entertainment, you know, like our, our feelings about music and, and art in general. And just, you know, it was just like a, it was just a great, I guess, platform just to speak on anything that we wanted to talk about and use the the cartoon Saturday morning aesthetic as a vehicle, you know.
0: Nice, and then Brian, where did you kind of come on board with the project?
1: Um, I mean, pretty early on, yeah. uh, you know,
2: Carl kind of had this notion and we uh, developed it together and, uh, you know, uh, it went through a couple of iterations. I mean, you know, the very earliest version of it was a little different than what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the fact that we partnered up with these TV um you know who you know were wh- looking for you know some more of a musical and and pop culture and millennial cult- cultural bent um influenced it somewhat um so you know the, the show kind of you know what, what's really awesome about doing a sketch show as well which you know this is you know we've done we've worked on some sketch before but we don't come from a sketch background specifically but being able to do these short form one off things where like whatever is kind of going on, you know, like you know you know um in you know you know the Trump administration uh you know uh Kanye West as a personality, you know t v shows like the Mandalorian, which we have this insane parody of coming up in the second episode that's like we Slink Johnson who plays black Jesus playing um um, that main DeLorean, basically, um, <laughs> who, is, who, who, uh, you know, finds out that he's basically, uh, behind on child support payments and his, uh, son, uh, uh, the baby Yoda is actually a, uh, a rap, a rap prodigy who anytime he features on the song, it gets a million streams on Spotify instantly.
0: Oh, I cannot. So, you know, like that. really just yeah.
2: kind of, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty fun one. Um, but, but, you know, just really like, you know, the, the idea or the formula of a lot of what we always do is really, you know, try to kind of hold up a mirror to, to, uh, to whatever it is that we're kind of taking on, uh, and then take a crazy left turn with that. So, you know, like you, you know, you, you can find a reflection of like representation that, that the audience, like, it's the first like, you know, thing they get out of it is like, oh shit, like I know what they're talking about. Like I get that. That's something I'm into. And then we'll mash it with something else or we'll take it in a, completely uh, uh you know screwed up direction and um you know and and basically you know kind of i guess make people a little mad <laughs> and maybe think a little and hopefully laugh too
0: you know no i love it when i was watching uh, the season two premiere since it's up on fuse uh, in preparation for this that was kind of my first exposure to it but i laughed my ass off i mean it was it was mature comedy but it's timely it cuts from both sides it's just it's just plain funny. Like, my metric for if something is a comedy or funny or not is if you laugh. I know that sounds stupid, but people argue over it all the time, <laughs> like, whether something's
2: funny or not, right?
0: <laughs> if you laugh, it's probably funny, and you guys achieve that. But I got to say...
2: That's I'm, the fairest metric I ever heard. Exactly,
0: right? <laughs> I got to say, I'm a little jealous of your title because uh, our title for the animation podcast that you're on right now is Saturday Morning Cartoons, but it's morning with a U because we, like you, we missed those Saturday Morning Cartoon blocks. We missed growing up with those cartoons and then we saw them disappear. so it was kind of like oh, a warning wow. period. And we've got you know 300 episodes in the can and now I'm like shit, sugar and toys would have been a good title for that six years ago. So I love the title. I love the idea. But there's there's so many things about this show that I they stand out in all the best kinds of ways. And honestly one of them is the first you get this first like title card. Now I'm gonna read it verbatim, so bear with me for a second, but it says the show you were about to watch was created and produced by a multicultural team of various beliefs, no beliefs sexual orientations and now i've seen both involuntarily and voluntarily uh celibate individuals so where did that kind of title card come about and what was the idea <laughs> behind that uh
2: believe it or not you actually i mean should we just tell the truth or should we bullshit i mean yeah i mean Right, I'm going to tell the truth. Uh, the lawyers made us do uh, that because they, the, the, the network was a little bit concerned sure. with uh, some of the material and that, it's a, it's a, you know, I mean, one of the things that we run into sometimes is just that, like, the fear that if someone sees what we do out of context or doesn't, like, kind of realize, like, where we're coming from, um, and especially in this age right now where there's a lot of gotcha culture and there's a lot of of uh, you know, you know, sort of cancel culture. Um and something that you said which I which I, I really appreciated was that you said that, you know, we cut from both sides. I mean we all have our own political views, but like we really come from a place of trying to, you know, reflect uh, you know, honestly, and I guess sometimes honestly means, you know, being unfair to both sides. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, in fact the original title card actually originally said uh, involuntarily celibate individuals, and then uh, some lawyers saw that and were concerned that we were saying that there were Nazi <laughs> incels as part of our team, which I assure you there aren't any. <laughs> so you know, it, I think it's a, I think there's sensitivity uh, there, and we definitely you know we like to play with fire, not not just because you know we want to be shocking, but because uh we want to be provocative. I mean, we want we want to. You know, we want to speak, you know, we want to speak the things that people think but can't speak. We want to invite conversation. Um, and so that card, they asked us to basically put together a card that would contextualize the show. And like being brats, what we came back with was something that sounded kind of <laughs> obnoxious. And then we put yeah. church music on it just to really exactly. push the fact that we're assholes. And uh, <laughs> okay. there you go.
0: No, I love it. Standards of is pra- <laughs> yeah. alive and well. Yeah. But it reminded me of kind of like the, they are. the they South are. Park, uh, the South Park lead in too. it very much reminded me of that. So I was kind of just like, okay, I see what they're what they're doing here. But I also see, you know, you can see the legal hand behind. It, definitely. Um, I got to say, though, just on the on the humor front, not to name names, but there are some other recent animated series out there that mistake just swearing a lot or being offensive without actually having any meaning or ingenuity or comedy actually behind their jokes and this is like a night and day comparison i can look at that show and just be like okay they're just trying to be provocative for the sake of being that and i can look at something like sugar and toys and see where the ideas came from behind it make those cultural connections so i think you guys are on to something there with uh your approach just saying it works because i laughed you know what i mean oh thank
2: you thank you i kind of want to know what that fucked up show is but that sounds kind of good i want to see that
0: i'll wait till i hit that
2: after the interview Keith Ellis, i was gonna bell? say i
0: wait till i hit that <laughs> record button and i'll tell you all you want <laughs> but speaking to the show too it's uh it's structured kind of differently so carl you were saying earlier you wanted to go back to that kind of saturday morning feel that that sketch show that clip show kind of thing you had some animated segments in with live action it feels kind of like a throwback to maybe like a, a Wee herman's playhouse or a super mario brothers super show so how did you guys settle on that kind of format to change things up
1: yeah i mean that well that was the idea i mean that, that was exactly it i mean we wanted it to have, that feel of like a Pee Wees playhouse or, you know, any one of those, those shows from, from like the seventies the and the eighties when I mean, they used to, they used to do that quite a bit, but they would mix mediums and, you know, like they, they would do it a lot on Sesame Street where you would see like, you know, Bill Cosby picture pages or whatever, you know, um, and, and, and I don't know, it, it, it was, it was all just, you know, to give that nostalgic feel. And, and, and I guess, um, the short form, content worked really well for the type of jokes we wanted to do and the stuff we wanted to say because you can get like a really cool mixed bag of stuff in one episode um and everything can work independently of each other and that and that was kind of i don't know it was it was it's more um just gives us more creative freedom you know honestly and um you know there were but there were some some um some pieces like the like the the drake some bits that we did that you know, we, we would go back to, you know, from time to time or, or like in other episodes, we, if we, if there was, uh, bits that we thought were, were really funny or the characters were strong enough, we would bring them back and, and kind of create, you know, a little bit more of a, of a narrative, of an overall narrative. But, um, but I don't know. It's just the short form it was just like an easier way to digest kind of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to say. Um, and Kyle, you know, uh, well, this, this season, Kyle will, will actually be animated because, <laughs> you know, we were, we were pretty, pretty limited by, sure, yeah. um, you know, because of cold, because of COVID. Um, but I think it's, but it still works. I mean, you know, it's still, it's still the same, same tone and still the same insanity and craziness in, in his world. It's just now expanded because it's animated. So we can do a lot more, you know, with, with him and just have him sitting on the couch talking to some friends, you know, um, but, um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, season one, we had a lot of fun doing live action commercials as well. Um, I mean, some of the strongest stuff I thought was that, um, like Carl was saying, you know, because of COVID, we sort of had to make the pivot. Um, we'd already started writing, actually, and we were about halfway through writing when, you know, and everyone was kind of like hoping like, yeah, COVID going to go in like two and a half weeks. You know, we'll, we'll get, you know, get in a room with Kyle. And then, you know, there was discussion about like, do we want to do green screen stuff? And at one point it was like, Maybe it'll be Kyle zooming with his friends. And then we were like, nobody wants to watch people zoom. Uh, and so eventually we, you know, we got to a place where now, um, you know, it's really the same. Like, like Carl was saying, it's the same kind of tonally, uh, but you know, plused up and, and, and he actually the Kyle pieces now, I would say are more in the Saturday morning cartoon world than like almost any other thing in there in that it's Kyle and his two homies are basically like a giant. Uh, like sort of emo insecure transformer. Mm -hmm. And then his other, his other buddy is a, is a, is basically his imaginary toxic best friend. He's basically like an anthropomorphic toxic waste (laughs) barrel, basically that, uh, but again, uh, Slink Johnson, Black Jesus plays him and, uh, J.D. Witherspoon plays the, uh, the, the robot. And so like there definitely is a little bit more of, a of a Saturday morning cartoon vibe with, with all those characters. Um, but then like other things just take a life of their own. Like originally, We were planning on shooting. Um, you know, there's a sketch that that, uh, that Carl kind of kind of kicked into into gear uh, called Clues Clues, which was like a, a Crip version of Blues Clues, basically. <laughs> and uh, 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 originally, that was going to be a live action piece, like really where we were going to try to do a combination of live action and, and animated, like very much like the real Blues Clues. And then ultimately, you know. You know, and, and Carl I think originally wasn't even writing that character for himself as OG Steve. I think we were actually originally writing for, for someone else and then Carl would just do the uh-huh. line and would be like, 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 which is also by the way, like the, the big problem with working with Carl Jones is you, you end up doing a lot of temporary <laughs> dialogue recording with him yeah. and then you bring in like, uh, like the real recording and like invariably, uh-huh. like out there in the world, there's versions of the Boondocks, Black Dynamite, and every other show where like 86% of the voices is him doing temp and like, mm-hmm. still those <laughs> like, I, like like, that's the box that I want to, I want to put out like one day. And they, when they, when they give you your, your uh, lifetime achievement award, they got to just, they got to just show like, you know, they got to do a marathon weekend. There's just all these shows with your voice coming out of
1: everybody.
0: <laughs> we need a Carl Jones cut of the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, gone <laughs> because um, uh, even *Thugnificent* was that was not like I was not casted to play *Thugnificent* and on *The Boondocks*. That was um, originally supposed to be *Ludicrous*. Oh wow! And um, but I had to temp all yeah, but I had to temp all his lines because we were having difficulty getting them, and mm-hmm. then you know eventually <laughs> just ended up becoming them.
0: That's too funny. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm looking for the Carl Jones uh, cut, the the collection. Have that as a as a collector's item. So, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I definitely got some, I definitely got some, uh, various, like, dead media. I got, like, you know, I got, like, like, you know, VCDs of it and, like, <laughs> wow. all kinds of, kind of, you know, all kinds of old formats, but it, they're out there. They're, they're they're out there in people's basements and, and the attics. But, uh, but yeah, you know, so, like, yeah, so with this show, you know, there's just, like, an opportunity, like Carl was saying, to, like, bring back characters that we like, you know, to, to, you know, this season, I think we did some more, larger narratives with some of the reoccurring characters that we like, like certain, like certain sketches that were just breakout characters. I mean, like one of our cast members, uh, this incredibly talented lady, uh, Jade Nova, well, I don't know if you guys know from Instagram or from other videos, but she's one of the greatest mimics and singers. Like she can literally, she's a chameleon and can pretty much play and imitate anyone like, to the point, like, she's like an X-Men. I mean, she, she can literally turn into the other uh, people. Um, and so her Cardi B was one of our breakaway things. We did a parody in season one of the movie Us, uh, you know, the Jordan Peele film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this season we got, uh, we got a Cardi B version of Parasite, you know, the, uh, the Korean film that won mm-hmm. the Oscar. So, uh, that, that's gonna be a pretty, uh, pretty crazy, but, you know, so a lot of times just kind of seeing what, what resonates and what hits, you know, is also, one of the beauties of like having this short form stuff that can go on the internet is you can sort of go on YouTube and go, okay, well, you know, people really responded to this. I guess we should probably make more of that. And you know, you kind of start brainstorming from there.
0: Yeah. You have that instant kind of like reaction culture with the thumbs up and the shares and the likes, and it makes it pretty easy to figure out what people are into. Yeah. Now personally, having watched this first episode, I, I'm a fan of Tyrell, the toxic imaginary friend. I think that's a brilliant idea. Uh, I like the bootleg Zord that's hanging out with Kyle, and Drizzy is always great to see. But but going back to the production side of things for a little bit, how did you guys land on the style of animation that you wanted for Sugar and Toys? I know there's some obviously some limitations this year with COVID, but how did you choose the style that you wanted for the show?
1: You know, we, we, we tried to find a, a style and a look that, that was somewhat reminiscent of Saturday morning cartoons, mm-hmm. or felt a little nostalgic, but also was was new and original so you know it was was just more so about like getting that that feel and and then you know i'm just i don't know i'm a big fan of like you know cartoons actually looking funny you know and and so when you look back at like john Kay stuff or like you know you know guys like um you know i mean even like the warner brothers stuff with chuck jones and looney tunes and and bob clampett and you know they were big fans i mean they were big uh, they were really big on, on, you know, cartoons that actually look funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and feel funny and, and not just say funny things. Um, whereas like, you know, with, with the Boondocks and Black Dynamite, those are more, you know, of an anime aesthetic, more, more, more realistic. And, and so, you know, those, those, but it was a different tone and a different type. Those are different types of shows we could doing with this. You know, I, I, I love just kind of getting an immediate reaction just when you see the character on screen. <laughs> you know, just something about like when you see Drizzy, you just laugh. Like it just, it looks funny, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and just, and the big, the big cartoony eyes always work. <laughs> they just, they just do. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that in, in trying to find the, like, uh, adult
2: animation version of a Saturday morning cartoon style, uh, definitely was, uh, was part, you know, was part of it. I mean, in the initial conception of the show, our, our plan was to really, like, have a much more diversified uh, different kinds of looks. So we wanted to do some Hanna-Barbera, and we wanted to do some stuff that was more sort of wild. And what we kind of, you know, figured out pretty early on was that, like, by, develop- by kind of working up a house style, like, kind of uh, work for all this stuff, it just made the pipeline of being able to animate and rig and sort of do the show uh, way more manageable. Um I wish we could have done more. I mean one of my favorite things that we did in 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 season 1 um was we did these this one uh in, in the first episode it was a three-part reoccurring uh a CGI piece where we we did a a Lego version of Atlanta basically. Mm. <laughs> um that was like super fun and and we actually had plans for a for a follow up to it but like you said with COVID and with other considerations with like you know just what the calendar looked like um, you know, uh, uh unfortunately we weren't able to do uh Lego Tyler Perry Studios, which was <laughs> the thing we were planning on doing.
0: Well that's unfortunate. As a as an Atlanta resident, uh I would have loved to see that. So hopefully in a season three or the future, maybe we'll uh, we'll get to see that. That'd be great. I'd love it. i would love to. Uh now jumping back real quick, you mentioned sort of YouTube and, and kind of being in the modern era and being able to put your stuff out there on the web for people to find and react to. What was it that made uh, Fuse TV and Fuse Media the right fit for Sugar and Toys?
1: I mean, this, this, the, ne- the network was already, you know, catering to the, the same audience that we've always spoke to, and, and a lot of what we do is already rooted in music um, heavily, so, um, you know, it, it was a, a network that that really reflects the culture and, and, and creates a platform for, um, for a lot of up-and-coming artists, as well as, like, you know, really big stars, and... We're, we're, we're big fans of a lot of the, a lot of the people that we make fun of. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so it was kind of cool to have a, I mean, no, seriously, like, like that's the thing. Like, you know, Brian and I talk about it all the time. Like it's, it's, it's you know, if you, if you, if you really look at the pieces that we do, I mean, it, it, it all really comes from a real silly place. It's never anything that's like, you know, ill intent, right. Ill, Ill intent, you know, with any ill intentions. It's always, you know, we're always just really. Poking fun everybody, we're like equal, e- equal opportunity offenders. Exactly. So, yeah. like, if we really like you a lot, then we're gonna. If we really, really, if we really like you a lot, we're gonna make fun of you for the most part. And so, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the the you know the artists that that we poke fun of, and 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 a lot of the music music elements just seem to fit in really well with the fuse and and um and what their network was about, you know. And and they they also you know are, are really big on. You know, making sure that we're making a show that has something to say. You know, and and they're real supportive and and they they push and encourage us to always, you know, push the social commentary on everything that we do, which is which is really dope. You know, because there's some networks that you know they're only concerned with jokes or only concerned with you know making something that that's that that you know that makes makes a lot of noise. But they they they're very they were real supportive in 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 getting us to. Do a show that really, really had meaning and had something to say and, and, and also has a lot of heart, you know? Um, so I think, I think it was just a, it was just a good fit and it's been, I don't know, it's been a, been a good, good, uh, relationship.
2: Yeah. They gave us a lot of freedom to, to do our thing. And also they were willing, you know, when we were ready to make this show, they, they, you know, the, the turnaround of like making the deal to like actually getting started was, was also like a pretty, you know, sometimes developments can, drag on and on and on and you know once we were ready to go like, we kind of hit the ground running and that was also like, really refreshing um to get to do that
0: definitely And it's always good to hear when a, a studio where the the backers are supportive too because like we mentioned earlier you guys have a, a comedy that kind of cuts both ways and like you said yourself equal opportunity offenders i mean there's there's a mix of like social commentary versus kind of pop culture lampooning and satire i mean two things off the top of my head one was the, the hologram Tupac and the Hendersons, which, I mean, come on. How good is that? And another one uh, from, from this upcoming season, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a nice kind of, uh, kind of an infomercial kind of thing with the uh, OK Boomerang, and that cracked me up. But it cuts both ways, and literally that yeah. one cuts both ways. You know what I mean? Like you're offending both sides, and you kind of catch people off guard with that one, so I can't wait for people to check that out. But is there anything that you guys wanted to poke fun at so far that you either decided not to, Or just maybe haven't got to yet, but you really want to. Uh, mm. That's kind of the South Park challenge, where you gotta stay fresh and relevant. But uh, there's so much out there to (laughs) to take aim at. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, we've never really felt pressure like that. And I think just kind of circling back for a second to something you mentioned about like some shows like just trying to be shocking to be Mm -hmm. shocking like we've never really felt the need to like you know you know like we we've been able to trust our instincts pretty well because we we never you know we never go from a place of like you know we got to make noise only you know you know so um i mean there have been some instances on other shows where um, I would say, without getting exactly specific, that either personalities um, who, like, are powerful people, um, who may have relationships with, like, networks, um, messing with certain Oprah, people. Oprah, have, Oprah, Winfrey, has... Oprah Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> he's about, he's well, about to get to... <laughs> and Tyler Perry. Go ahead, Brian. Well thank you, Carl. Appreciate the uh, my anonymity of uh, being uh, uh preserved there. Uh yeah, so like so messing with people like that and then uh you know, there have been you know, there was definitely like in black dynamite Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that the, the, we we did do an episode I remember in particular. It was really one of the craziest ideas we ever had. It was an episode called the Race War, and the idea was finally uh all the different battling races of humanity were going to decide who the superior race on earth was by having a, a stock car race across the country. <laughs> so it was basically like a racist cannonball run basically <laughs> um and, uh, and it was one of the few times where, like, Adult Swim, like, shut down some of what we, wow. uh, what we threw in there. Um, where they were like, uh, you know, where, where in their mind, they were like, either you're messing with groups we don't want to mess with, or you are, like, in their mind, we're going over the line where, sure. like, is this commentary or, are like, are y'all just doing, like, yeah. you know, jokes? And, like, I just saw, like, HBO Max, like, an episode that Carl and I, uh, produced on Boondocks. Because um, it's funny There's always like a, a couple of Boondocks episodes That are banned mm-hmm. And which ones are banned Keeps changing Like for a while The <laughs> Tyler Perry one And some of the BET ones Were like not available But those are now Available on HBO Max But there's other mm-hmm. ones We did uh, yeah. Called the story, of, uh, The Story Of Jimmy Rebel which was a, a love story between Uncle Ruckus and this uh, country western and racist singer mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy Rebel. Where um, that episode, HBO Max uh, pulled it from the air and, and won't and won't show oh, wow. it. that's great. Um, I didn't yeah, know. yeah, I was. Yeah, I went. I was. I was actually trying to show a friend of mine, and I was like, "Wait a minute, it, se- it says like season three has fourteen episodes." Hmm. I was like, "Wait a minute, we did 15? <laughs> and and then I did some research on Reddit and found out that, that HBO Max had. I pulled that one, but the interesting thing that that speaks to though, is that in the, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a fucked up show. (laughs) I mean, look it up on YouTube. It's one of the greatest, most fucked up things ever. But, you know, one of the things, you know, is, is that like, just in the, in the time that, you know, Carl and I have been doing this, you know, what is considered off limits and what you can say and, who, you know, who censorship is coming from mm-hmm. and what the intention behind it is not a permanent thing. It's a, it's a conversation that's in flux. You know, people are gaining voices, pe- you know, other voices are being silenced, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. But like the thing about speech is that it is, it isn't a monolith. You know, it, it, it is something that, that, that fluctuates and that moves and that changes and that even just looking at our own body of work you know there's things that we did in boondocks that you know we certainly couldn't do and i think we we even wouldn't do now Mm -hmm. um and there's things that we're doing now that back then would not would not have you know been allowed so you know it's kind of interesting to be around long enough to actually see the rules change as much as they have
0: yeah that's a good kind of retrospective on where you guys kind of started and what the culture was like then both politically and you know artistically and socially and what it is now i mean it feels like it was a generation, but it feels like a, a huge leap. But look, if nothing comes out of this except a, a spin off series of the Lost Powder Poof gals, I'll be happy. Because I'd love <laughs> to see more of those adventures. One of my favorite parts is stand out. I've probably teased and spoiled more for season two than you guys have, so uh I'll say congrats on season two first and then I'll ask, What can you tease about season two for your fans and the viewers out there?
1: Oh man, I think you know, we got this we got the same Amount of insanity and craziness, um, you know. I, I, I mean, like Brian said, you know, there's there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more of of, of the ones that the, the sketches that people liked the most, which was like, you know, Drizzy. We got Drizzy coming back, and we got a um, uh, clues, clues, you know. So, so OG Steve would be back in the mix, um, and and then, you know, we we got a lot of a lot of new stuff that I'd rather let Brian talk to specifically, but. <laughs> It's, 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 but it's, you know, it's still the same crazy show. It's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot more new things to talk about.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, you know, we sort of thought maybe at the end of season one, we had said everything that was left to say. And then, you know, 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it kind of, it kind of gave us a lot to talk about. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, just a, a combination of, of of uh you know culture and 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 comedy and and sort of anger um, you know kind of smart approaches to stupid shit mm-hmm. stupid approaches to important shit you know just really kind of trying to trying to mix it up um, the other thing about this season that was really like you know fun for us was uh, that we got to work with a, a bunch of you know newer younger writers uh, you know who who really brought a lot of freshness and a lot of perspective because I mean that's the other thing about doing you know animation and doing even adult animation is kind of staying in tune with uh, with what the youth culture is you know when we started doing this you know we we were the youth. You know, now we're grown up. Right. Um, so, you know, some of some of the writers we work with, I mean, including Carl's son, uh, Drees Jones oh, cool. um, who I you know, I basically who grew up, you know, uh, you know, like I mean I'm, I'm, when I met that young man he was eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> and now he's uh he's he's a brilliant he's a brilliant performer and writer and, and you know, wrote some really some really he wrote a closing sketch that's in that's in episode one. Uh, I actually played Quavo as well uh oh, and uh, yeah. uh there's a song that's in episode six that we wrote together that's gonna uh that's gonna set the world on fire um but you know hype man hype man's coming back uh hype man goes up against uh Greta Thunberg basically oh, <laughs> to, to decide is uh you know is, is is climate change hype or is it real Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of just crazy, crazy mashups. And then, you know, we also, uh, I think there's a lot more strong female voices, um, in the show as well. We got this other, uh, young writer, uh, Anna Salinas, uh, who's brilliant, who, who wrote with us. We got some new cast members, uh, including, uh, including Ladybug Mecca, uh, who we're huge fans of, has now joined our cast, you know, uh, you know, Swing Johnson is back, JD Weatherspoon. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Nick Murdoch, just, you know, all, all the really talented people that, you know, have to be talented because it's about, it's about eight people on the, on the, on the, cast and they play about a thousand people collectively. So, um did I forget anyone? I feel like I may have forgotten someone. Oh, Carl is, Carl is also like, you know uh major uh voice voice talent on the okay. show as well so if you're a fan of his you know the good thing about casting carl is then you don't have to erase his voice afterwards <laughs> and put someone else's voice in you can just uh, just keep it in there and that, that's a that's a little trick i learned
0: i love it i'm glad you highlighted your multicultural team of various beliefs no beliefs sexual orientations and involuntary celibate okay. individuals so uh thank you I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, by the way, yeah, they're all, by the way all the the people, it's all involuntary. So, yeah, anyone on the show who wants to get laid is getting laid, and if they're not, as good they can.
0: We'll put that down at the bottom and fine print. Hopefully the lawyers won't see it. Please. <laughs> uh, before I run in time with you guys, I have another question for Carl. I hear you're working with Matthew Cherry on the new HBO Max uh, animated series based on Hair Love. So how did that come about, and how's that progress going?
1: Well, Matthew and I, uh, we, we actually met uh, right before the last OG season three started up, mm. um, so I I met I met him when he was at Monkey Paw, um, and they called me in for a general, and it went really well. We hit it off, and um, you know they, you know he happened to be a big fan of a lot of stuff that, that I did, and and um, he asked me if I'd be interested in in working on the last OG, and, and I was like, of course, I love Tracy Morgan, I love the show, mm-hmm. you know. So um, they brought me on. Um, and you know, they brought me on as a co-EP, you know, I was, you know, in the writer's room and, 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 uh, then they, then they actually bumped me up to, um, showrunner. Oh, wow. And that was a lot, yeah, a lot of that was, well, Matthew Sharon was actually pushing for me to be showrunner from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, so when he left Monkey Call, we just stayed, we just stayed in touch with each other and he told me about this project he was doing called Hair Love and, at the same time, I met with Karen Tolliver over at Sony Animation. I just, I just did a general meeting with her, and she told me that she was also involved with the Hello Project, and they were trying to turn it into a series. And so we just took it from there, you know?
0: No, that's fantastic. I mean, it, that was a story that just kind of blew up and well-deserved. And I know what, millions of people out there are looking to see what series comes out of it, because to me, it just seems like there's so much potential there to tell really important and impactful stories and you get to you get to play in the world of animation with that too, which is something that honestly, for people of color, you don't really get to see them kind of uh, front and center as protagonists, as central characters outside of your uh, animated series. Obviously, for the the majority of shows out there, you don't get to see it. So I'm excited to see it. I'm happy to know you're working on it, and I hope that's going well.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. No, it's, it's it it is it is refreshing to see you know a, a short film like that, yep. and um, now you know a series called called Young Love, but. Um, yeah, that, that's what inspired me too. I felt like, you know, this was, it was important for the culture and I felt like, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, a, a lack of representation, obviously, but this, this really hit home, you know, for a lot of people when, when, once it, once it came out. And, and I think, you know, just when I say hit home, I mean, you know, we, we, we rarely see a show that it has, um, the type of tone that the film had because the film, you know, was, it was, it was, it was a sweet, that had a, a very somber kind of moment towards the end right. but you know so it pulled at your heart strings but it was also done very well the animation was beautiful it was a loving story it was funny it was it was charming it was like it had all of these just wonderful elements that they just kind of combined together and um yeah and, and i think so you know a lot a lot it resonated with a lot of people because you just don't really see a lot of that you know you don't you don't see you know black people on the screen portrayed in that way and and especially where where you know a father is doing a little girl's hair and just those little small nuances and 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 things that are reflective of what we you know our our real culture and and and, you know real in real life you just rarely see it on tv so um so that yeah i I think it's a i think it's a real important show for the culture and, and i'm looking forward to it
0: a follow-up question on that, if you don't mind, because we haven't heard too much about it. But are are most of the stories that are being pulled from for the the episodes are they from Matthew himself, or is it a kind of a collaborative effort of everybody who's on the writing team?
1: I mean, it's a, it's a collaborative effort, I'd say, but um, but you know, it's definitely Matthew's brainchild, and it's his it's his vision, and and you know, he has a, a very clear idea for where he wants to go with the show, and and you know, we're just there to support his vision.
0: That's fantastic. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Before I run out of time with you both, we know we've got Season 2 of Sugar and Toys coming up. Looking forward to that. So what else is on the horizon for both of you that you'd like to tease to your fans out there?
2: Well, it's very exciting, actually. Um, Even newer news than Young Love is that Mr. Carl Jones is creating a new version of Good Times, uh, an animated version for Netflix. I don't know if you saw that, but that just got announced in the trades yeah a couple That's of days huge. ago. So uh yeah. so I'm working on my resume. I'm working on my resume right now. I'm gonna send it to Carl if could, you know, <laughs> we can get,
0: connect you get right on, now. Get
2: yeah. put it on hopefully. Yeah. I I, I, yeah. I I sent him a LinkedIn uh
1: invite I'm waiting to hear back. Still waiting. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Yeah well, I gotta see how some of these sugar and toys episodes turns out first before I <laughs> think about hiring by watch I appreciate your honesty i right, yeah
2: yeah, yeah i think i think you like it i think, think you like it <laughs> um no i mean yeah that that's actually a, i mean that, that's kind of the biggest news i mean sure. I honestly like you know uh you know i don't wanna, i don't wanna put words in his mouth, but uh you know like it's it's you know based on like the kinds of stuff that we've worked on and what we've done um you know in getting kind of picked for for that and uh you know putting that together and and really being able to have a a platform that's that mainstream and that has that kind of legacy behind it um is you know that's like uh pretty pretty cool
0: yeah that's awesome i hadn't heard that so i'm i'm happy to hear that too looking forward to that
1: yeah i mean i i'm <laughs> i'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> So, so no, we're, we we're bringing good times back. Um, but it is a modern day good times and it's with a brand new Evans family and, um, working with Sony and, um, Seth McFarlane and Steph Curry wow. and Norman Lear. Oh, wow. That's you know, and huge. so, yeah. uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really awesome team, man. And they've been extremely supportive and I'm just really excited to to be working with like, you know legends in the game, and and you know I grew up on good times, so Norman Lear is, is like a hero to me. So I'm influenced everything that that shit, everything that everybody's doing. <laughs> but really, um, but really everything that we everything that we're doing, man. I mean, down to Sugar and Toys, it's all in some way, you know, been infe- affected and infected and <laughs> inspired by <it. laughs> everything that he's done, you know. Absolutely.
0: Well, guys, look, I'm about out of time with you. So it's been fantastic chatting with you both. Looking forward to watching more Sugar and Toys, everything else you guys have coming down the pipeline. So well-deserved, best of luck, and can't wait to see more from you both. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.